All right, well, let's go ahead and pick it up in verse 10, actually. Um, scripture says, Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, this is Ruth speaking to Boaz, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of, the, of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for thou hast, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. As we have previously, it's been a couple of weeks, of course, due to last week with the storm passing by, but that we've been, that since we've been together, but a few weeks back, if you recall with me, we were looking into the previous verse, verse 10 specifically, and we discovered uh, throughout this already throughout this narrative of Ruth, that Boaz is the one who showed grace and love towards Ruth. He initiated this uh, relationship. It was not, Ruth did not initiate this, Boaz did. And it was because of the extent of the grace that was shown to Ruth that she could not help but be changed and overwhelmed by such grace and such love. And of course, it's the grace of God demonstrated by God's love for us in Jesus by which we are turned to the Lord. Again, I remind you of Paul's declaration in Romans chapter 2, verse 5, and he's speaking about those who are in re, continuing to reject God's truth and, and reject God's uh, uh, grace and goodness. But yet he says to them, Knowest thou not that it is the goodness of God that leadeth thee or leads you to repentance? And so while many, my, Paul spoke about persuading men due to the terror of the Lord. I understand that. But remember something, it's never the fear or terror that bring men to repentance. It is the goodness and grace of God that brings men to repentance. And that's what Paul is teaching in Romans 2.5. Now, when one receives such a love, such as this which was demonstrated by Boaz unto Ruth, it will result in a reflection, as we saw in our last study, of this love that one has received. And as I mentioned last time we were together, while the one receiving such love may not have the capacity to return that love in an equivalent manner, one cannot help but respond to this type of love when they have received it. So Boaz extended this love to Ruth and this grace to Ruth. And Ruth could not return the favor. Ruth did not have the means. It was not within her ability and capacity to extends such grace and love to Boaz as she had received. But here's what you will find. The love that she received impacted her in such a manner that it could, she could not help but reflect back a, 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 a resemblance of that love back to Boaz because of the love that she had received. And so we find that to be true as well, of course, of us. Now remember, I want to mention this again at the outset because it's something we must re be reminded of. Um, it is not for us to spiritualize the text. It is not for us to try to look into something and pull something out that is not there. It's for us to understand what is here and draw it out and then teach it and explain it. And I want to remind you, that this, is a, this is a historical narrative. 
This is an actual account. There was really a man named Boaz. There was really a woman named Ruth. And they really went through this experience. And so the scriptures have it here for an example unto us and that we might glean and learn. And so as we've studied thus far into this book, this, it's not that the book of Ruth is full of doctrinal truths that we are to be instructed by and such. No, but it is that we are to understand the significance of this historical account and see how it parallels to our redemption, to our Redeemer, to our kinsman who came in the flesh, was manifested in like flesh as we are yet without sin. So it is for us to understand the parallels that are present. And so that's what I've been attempting to do throughout the study, to delve into the truth of the historical record and account, but then also to cause you to then to step back for a moment, this is my desire at least, and reflect upon how these very examples are true within our lives as those who've been redeemed by God through Jesus Christ. And so that is our desire throughout this study. And so we, we see that, uh, again, that's why I mentioned that for this reason, because I'd just spoken of how that Ruth did not have the capacity and ability to demonstrate the same, uh, to the same degree the love that she'd received, yet that love could be reflected from her, through her, back to Boaz because she is receiving and now it creates in her desire to give. It creates in her desire to, uh, to, to if you will, extend and, and, and show thankfulness and gratitude and appreciation for what Boaz has done because she recognized she was not worthy of this. And so, so we are in reality, are we not? I mean, here we have God, the Creator, of course, who has given us Christ, His Son, and, and as a propitiation for our sins, he died, he suffered, he came in the flesh, he rose again, we are justified because of him. And here we are unworthy, strangers, alienated from God, as we read in Colossians even in the last few weeks. We are alienated, strangers from God, and yet God has done this and now brought us to himself. And how can it be that if we have received such love as Ruth did of Boaz, how can it be if we receive this love of God in Christ, that that is not reflected back to him, that there is not, that has not made an impact and eternal change and transformation within our lives. So we see this, this parallel that is present. The question we could ask is, how did the grace and love of Boaz to Ruth affect her? Or how did she respond or return this love? In verse 10, we read tonight, we'll read again. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? So Ruth's reflection of Boaz's love was demonstrated in the fact that first, as we've already discovered, Ruth was humbled by such love. Then she fell on her face. Now, Ruth falling on her face, as I mentioned previously, was what we may refer to as a reflexive reaction. Ruth's response was as one collapsing to the ground. This would have been, again, to, to, to explain it further, as though one heard some devastating news, maybe, and they just crumple. They, 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 they just fall to the ground. They cannot help themselves because they are just overwhelmed. Well, this isn't devastating news, but Ruth collapsed before Boaz, and she did so just out of awe and out of wonder and out of appreciation. And we see that this collapsing to the ground uh, is due to her, her, her being overwhelmed by such love that she is just completely awestruck at this love that has been demonstrated to her, that has been given to her. In 1 John 3, 1, the beginning of the verse, we read, John writes, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. 
The word behold is interesting again because it's that we are now standing in awe. We are awestruck. We are overwhelmed. Behold, gaze in wonder at such love. And so John references this, that we should be called the sons of God. Such love humbles the one who receives it. Such love, it it, it impacts us to the degree that we cannot help but have an overwhelming sense of awe at such love, at such grace, at such sacrifice. Second, Ruth showed reverence to the one who demonstrated such love. It goes on to say, and bowed herself to the ground. Now, this is not a redundant statement. This is not just mere repetition. While the first statement that she fell on her face is that of a reflexive action, bowing herself to the ground was an intentional act of reverence of the one who showed her such grace and love. So now it's not her collapsing, it's that she is intentionally, knowingly, willingly, reverentially bowing herself down. She's collapsed, yes, overwhelmed, but now she is intentionally falling down, bowing before this man Boaz because of the grace and love she has received. And so to bow before the Lord in reverence is an intentional act of submission to him, as we should. Then third, Ruth was overwhelmed by such love and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Ruth's question is in truth a statement and it's a statement that is acknowledging how unworthy she was as a stranger. Such a demonstration of this grace and love caused her to have a proper view, not only of Boaz, but also a proper view of herself. Remember, I've said to you before, one will never have a proper view of Christ without also seeing themselves as they are. And no one will ever see themselves as they truly are without having a, a, a proper view of Christ. We will always exalt ourselves more than we should, obviously, if we, are not having, if we do not have a proper view of the Lord Jesus and this grace that has been extended to us. And so if we see him for who he is, then we see ourselves for what we are. Now, I'm not saying we fully understand and see that, but we get a good glimpse, a good catch of an idea, a good idea of what we are and who we are. And then as well, to see ourselves as, only, as we are is only because we began to see he who is superior. He who is greater than we could ever be. So Ruth was overwhelmed by this love. In in 1 John 4.10, John writes and says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So this is the definition of love. Our love for God is not that which defines love. It is God's love for us that is the definition of love. 1 John 4, 19, we're told as well that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. The love we possess and the love we show towards God is only a reflection of his love for us. Love, again, is not defined by our love for God, but it is defined by his love for us. And such a love demands a response. We love him. Why? Because he loved us. If he did not eternally love us, we would never love him. That's just how it is. The Boaz provision for Ruth as we've already seen and will continue to, had a profound impact on her. The love and grace of Boaz worked to draw Ruth to Boaz. His attentive behavior towards her caught her attention and caused her to become interested in a man she previously knew little to nothing about. We see Ruth's interest in Boaz increase throughout this narrative of Ruth. And the reason Ruth's interest in Boaz increased throughout the relationship is due to the effects that Boaz's love and grace had on her personally. Look at verse 13. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me 
and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, all, or though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. Do you see what she is saying? She says, I'm not like the rest of these, these handmaidens, the rest of these uh, unmarried women who are out in your field working. I am not like them. I am a stranger. I am not a kin. I am not of the same family. I am not of the same culture. I am not of the same people. She says, I'm not worthy of this. And yet, notice what she says. She doesn't say, I've received comfort from you. She said, thou hast comforted me. And then she goes on to say, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto me, even though I am not like the rest of these. I am different. Not different in that she deserved this. Different in that she did not deserve this. If there's someone in the field that did not deserve Boaz's attention, it was Ruth. Ruth is the one that did not deserve this. She's the foreigner. She's the stranger. She's the one who does not know Boaz, and Boaz does not know her at this point, not as he desired to. Prior to this expression of Ruth's thankfulness to Boaz in verse 13, Ruth had asked a question in verse 10, which Boaz answered in verse 11. So let's read verses 10 and 11 again together. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, unto Boaz, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And verse 11, And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. You didn't know them before this time. So the people working for Boaz, when it says that it has fully been showed me, the people working for Boaz, not only the reapers and the handmaids, but also, in all probability, it was the overseers who informed Boaz of Ruth and what she had done in returning with Naomi. While Moab was absent of the blessing of God, Moab is God's washpot, as the scripture references it. <clears throat> it was the place where Ruth had been born, and it was her homeland. It was the dwelling place of her mother and father, who still were there, obviously. And Ruth had left everything to return with Naomi to a people she knew nothing about apart from that which Naomi had possibly told her. And that's it. And by the way, remember, when Naomi came back with Ruth, she says, they said, is this Naomi? Because Naomi had changed so much from that time of being gone and the grief and the, the tragedy that had struck her life and obviously the sin that was involved in all of that, that they questioned if this was even the same Naomi. <clears throat> is this really her? But yet, no doubt, Ruth had heard some things about Bethlehem Judah. She had heard some things about the people. And, of course, that God had visited his people with bread, as we're told in the previous passages. The point is that Ruth had completely abandoned everything that she had ever known, that she had ever loved, apart from Naomi, to come to a land where she knew no one. Such a sacrifice was due, obviously, to the providential working of God. And now she was beginning to understand how the Lord had worked and was continuing to work on her behalf. You know, Jesus speaks about it. If, you're not, if a man does not hate his father or mother, then he cannot be his disciple, right? Now, of course, we know Jesus is not talking about hatred in the same sense in that context as he does in other, as Scripture other places speaks of hatred, which is very clearly defined. But in this case, of course, it, it is that of comparative uh, affection and love, if you will, towards father, mother, compared to that of love towards him. We know as well 
that Jesus said, except a man take up his cross, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Here we find absolute sacrifice, self-denial. And so here's the question. What would ever cause someone to come to that place to abandon everything that they once loved, everyone they once loved, all that they knew and held dear, all that they were familiar with? What would ever cause someone to do that? The only thing that will ever cause that in this degree and to the, in this context and to this degree is God's providential working bringing that about. But there's something very important here that we've not gotten to yet that we will in just a moment that fills in these gaps as to why. Why would she do this? Why, when, when Orpah was persuaded by Naomi to go back, when she went with Ruth, if you remember in chapter 1, she goes with Ruth, and they both are there, and then Naomi says, go back, go back home, I have nothing to offer you, I will not have sons that you can marry them, you will not have children by my family. He, she says, go back, go back to your gods, plural, go back to your people, go back to your culture, go back to your old life, what do I have to offer you? And Orpah finally, weeping, kisses Naomi and leaves. But Ruth does not. And Ruth is leaving everything that Orpah now went back to. Ruth is abandoning all of this. She is forsaking this. And so we must stop and ponder and ask the question, why? She still had a mother and father back home. She still had friends back home. She still had a familiar atmosphere and culture back home. And Orpah had that also and went back to it. But here Ruth is with saying, no, I'm forsaking that. I'm abandoning it. So the question is why? Again, it's God's providential working that would bring this about. Look at verse 13. The Lord recompense thy work, Boaz says, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel. Look at the next statement. Under whose wings thou art come to trust. The verb recompense means finish, carry out, or be completed. And the sense of the meaning is to repay or to reward. So he's saying, the Lord reward thy work. May he, may he fulfill your work. May he complete your work. Then now reward means wage. And a full wage be given thee of the Lord God of Israel. So Boaz is speaking this blessing to Ruth by asking the Lord to complete, to fulfill the result of her actions and to give her a full wage, withholding nothing from her for her spirit and her actions toward Naomi. Yet it is not until we consider the very last statement Boaz made in this verse, verse 13, that we fully understand the reason for such a desire for Ruth to be blessed of the Lord in such a manner. In the previous verse, we discovered where Ruth had abandoned everything to fall after Naomi again. In verse 11, previous verses, it says, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother, and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. Here, again, Boaz is saying, look, I've been informed, it has been told to me of how you abandoned everything. You left and forsook all to come here. How are this sacrifices further detailed and Ruth replied to Naomi when Naomi attempted to persuade Ruth to return home, to which I referenced a moment ago. In chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, look back again. In chapter 1. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. 
the Lord do so to me, and more also if aught but death part thee and me. Again, we see in this as we discovered through our study of chapter 1, that here we see Ruth, by forsaking all, she now says, I'm going to have a new home. I'm going to have a new people, a new culture. I'm going to have a new God. Your God will be my God. And where you die, I'll have a new future. Where you die, I will die. All this is new to her. And even in Ruth's reply to Naomi, we find that she did not simply abandon her past life. Hear me very closely, please. This is of the greatest importance. And this is where we begin to see how all this comes together and makes sense. God was providentially working behind the scenes. Orpah had the same opportunity Ruth had before Naomi, so to speak, from a human perspective. But God was not working in Orpah while he was working in Ruth. Orpah was not part of this redemptive, eternal redemptive plan of God, whereas Ruth was. And so in all of this unfolding, what we discover is that Orpah says, no, I'm going back, even though at first she left it all, but then she went back and turned around and went back to it. Whereas Ruth says, I'm not turning back, but there's a reason as to why this is so. If you go back to verse 13, the last statement, Boaz says, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Hear me, please. It's not that people just simply abandon and forsake all that they once loved and knew. It's that they come to trust and depend fully upon the Lord Jesus Christ and rest in Him. People all the time abandon former things they did, but that doesn't mean they're trusting in God. The difference here is that Ruth does not now have an empty life. She forsook everything. Everything she trusted in, everything she relied on, everything she depended on, she left it all behind. But she says, I have a new home. I have a new people. I have a new culture. I have a new God. I have a new future. So she wasn't empty and void of all things. It's that she had to forsake all that was to know all of this that would be. And so she's resting and trusting and God in His providence to care for her, and He's proving to do just that. In chapter 1, verse 16, again, Ruth said, For whether thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people should be my people, and thy God my God. Again, it's so interesting. And look, you have to understand this. Naomi had just, prior to verse 16 in chapter 1, had just told Ruth, Go back to your God's a plural. And Ruth does not say, oh, your gods will be my gods. Did you see that? She said, your God, singular, will be my God, singular. While Naomi's the one saying, go back to your God's plural. And yet Ruth says, no, your God will be my God. Boaz acknowledged this truth as well. Not only did Boaz speak of Ruth's actions of abandoning her old life, but he blessed her based on the fact that she had thrown herself upon the mercy and grace of God and God alone. Again, chapter 2, verse 13, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward or wage be given thee of the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. So, may the Lord reward thee. Repay you as you have done, as your spirit has been towards Naomi and as you have acted. But notice, it's all based on the fact that Ruth was trusting in God. The noun trust means to take refuge. 
So under whose wings thou art come to take refuge? Ruth did not leave all she loved and was familiar with carelessly, but she was intentional in embracing and seeking refuge in the one God she knew would provide for her and sustain her, the only one who could. Verse 14, And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat and was sufficed and left. Boaz called Ruth to himself to eat and fellowship with him. Notice that. He's the one who said, At mealtime, come thou hither. She says, let me find favor in your sight. Let me continue to find grace in your sight. By the way, listen. (laughs) We are in constant need of the grace of God. I've received grace. And I have the fullness of God's grace in Jesus Christ. But there's never a moment I'm not in need of such grace. Is the point. And Boaz, or Ruth says to Boaz, let let me continue to find favor. Let, let Let me continue to to dwell in your grace. Let me continue to to experience your goodness. She desired that, but you know what caused her to desire that? She'd already experienced it, and now she desired to experience it more. And I don't believe this is a selfish act of Ruth in the sense of saying, how much more can I get out of Boaz? No. She has become enamored now with who this man is, and we'll see that in the following verses as we continue to study this narrative. But we understand that it was his initiation of this relationship that brought her to the place to where now she is interested in him And she's saying, please let me remain in your grace. Let me remain in your favor. And knows what Boaz does. He doesn't just say, okay, continue to stay in my field. Remember, that's what he said earlier. He said, hey, don't go anywhere else. You stay and work in my field. But now he says, hey, I want you to come to my table. I want you to come eat with me. I want you to come fellowship with me. Eat of the bread. Dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat and was sufficed and left. So as she sat among the other workers, her fellow laborers, at the table of Boaz, where he was, Boaz personally, when it says he reached her, it means that he prepared for her this corn. And he distributed this to her. He gave from his hand to her this provision that he had prepared for her. Once again, we find Boaz taking personal interest in Ruth and personally providing for her from his own hand. Now, such provision did not result in pride within Ruth. For she realized, understood, was aware, and constantly reminded that she was undeserving of such kindness or such grace. The Scripture tells us that she was sufficed or satisfied in the provision of Boaz. Once again, we are reminded of the beauty of the provision of God for all those who have found refuge under His wings. Look, if you've come to, 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 to trust, if you've come to take refuge under the wings of the Almighty, if you've received of the provision of the Lord Jesus Christ, if, if, if you've received of the provision which God has personally prepared for you in redemption, in salvation, then you desire to remain in this grace, but you also find yourself to be satisfied, as was Ruth. We have received the grace and love of God in Jesus Christ, have found that it is in such love alone that we can partake and be satisfied. Such love never bolsters pride and arrogance, but thankfulness as we remember how unworthy we are of such grace and such love. While Ruth, while, while Ruth is receiving 
personal attention from Boaz, while the others aren't necessarily receiving the same attention. The other workers aren't being ministered to in the same capacity as Ruth is at this point. It doesn't say he prepared or reached corn to all of them, but he did to her. And we find that in doing so, rather than Ruth rising up in arrogance and pride and saying, oh, look who's special in Boaz's eyes. No. He's already said, why have I found such favor? Why have I found such grace? Why would you treat me as you're treating me? I know I don't deserve this. I'm aware I don't deserve this. And listen, anyone who's ever received the grace of God, anyone who's ever experienced fellowship with Jesus Christ, it will never make you proud, but it will always make you humble. Because you will be reminded how little you are and how that you do not deserve such grace and such favor. Just as Ruth declared that her soon-to-be redeemer had comforted her by kindness and satisfied her by his provision, so also our heavenly redeemer has comforted and satisfied us. For it is in Jesus alone that we can and are, can be and are satisfied. It's in Christ and Christ alone. Ruth here is satisfied in the provision of Boaz. But let me tell you what she's not satisfied in. She's not satisfied in her knowledge of Boaz. Do you see that? What's going to happen as the story continues to unfold? We're going to find shortly that she'll be at his feet at the threshing floor in chapter 3. She's getting to know him more and she wants to know him more. So, oh, his provision has satisfied her. His grace has satisfied her. His love has satisfied her. She is not wanting anything in terms of lacking what is needed. Everything she needs is being continually provided for her by Boaz. And we see that unfold more so. He commands them to leave the handfuls of purpose. He commands them not to touch her. He commands them to make sure that she has what is needed for her survival and for Naomi and for them to prosper. So he is providing continually for her. And she is satisfied in that. But the one area she's not satisfied in is the little knowledge she has of this man Boaz. She wants to know him more. But I say to you, we are satisfied as believers in Jesus Christ in the provision of God for us. I am satisfied in His grace. I am satisfied in His love. I am satisfied in His provision. But there is one area I am not satisfied, and that is my lack of knowing Him as He truly is. I want to know Him more. Do, do you not want the same? I want to continue to grow in this knowledge. Yes, I receive His provision. Yes, I receive His love. Yes, I receive His grace. And it is all satisfying. But that just causes me to a desire within me to grow all the more to know him more because there is so much about him that I have yet to understand. And so this creates and cultivates within me a desire to know him more. And the same thing is happening in Ruth's life. I would even venture to say if someone claims that they are satisfied, satisfying God's provision yet there's no desire in them to know Christ more, I question whether they have ever received his provision at all. She wants to know him. She wants to know Boaz. 
And we see how that relationship becomes such to where they are in the end married and have children or have a child. And why is that? It's all God's providential working as part of his redemptive plan that he has brought Ruth to Boaz. And now she, he has initiated this relationship. And it's out of his grace and his love that Ruth is, within her desire, is cultivated again to just know him more. I want to know him. Again, Paul in Philippians 3.10 says it so well, does he not? That I may know him. We're talking a man who already knew the Lord. He was an apostle. He was an evangelist. He knew Christ, and yet Paul's desire is that I may know him. Shouldn't that be the outcry of every follower of Jesus? Look, if you've received his provision and you don't want to know more about him, you have a real problem. I think we should be examining ourselves to see that we be in the faith. (laughs) Because knowing him is what it's all about. Knowing him is what it's all about. Let's pray together. Father.